What's up, everyone? Welcome to Through the Veil, episode number 15. Today on the podcast, I have my good friend Alex Ruiz. He's a visionary artist, creates all sorts of badass art, as well as teaching art, and he also used to be an animator on The Simpsons. It's a super, super interesting episode to me. We talk a lot about the creative process. We talk a lot about his personal story and his personal journey as an artist and some of the hurdles he's overcame. So I hope you enjoy this one. If you do, please consider sharing it out. Tag me on Instagram if you share it there. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes if that is where you listen to your podcasts, and leave a review is always appreciated. So much love, and let's get into the podcast. Beautiful. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being on. Um, For those that don't know you, Alex Ruiz, not Alex Nelson, but slightly different. Um, If you could just introduce yourself and say a little bit about what you do and who you are. First of all, good to be here, Alex. And uh, I love your friendship and I love uh, you having me on. And um, first and foremost, I am a creative person, as it were. Uh, Artist is another word. Uh, But I really look at it like exploring. So I've been drawing and painting my whole life, but um, nowadays I look at it like an explorative adventure, which is why you know I'm always exploring new styles of art. Keeps things a bit interesting. And um, so basically that's what I do primarily. And now I'm venturing into teaching others how to find that within themselves and how to create the art that they see in their imaginations or just the art that they want to create and helping to bring that out in others. Definitely been the beneficiary of one of your teaching classes, which was super awesome for me because I do not consider myself an artist in any shape of the word, but just seeing through some simple techniques that you showed us about drawing eyes and drawing the beginnings of a face. I was like, oh shit. All right. There's something here. Yes. Beautiful. How'd you, so take me through sort of the path into which you've came into where you are now, which is designing and releasing courses about art, um, producing pieces all the time. It seems like your production seems ridiculously fast to me, but I don't know anything about this stuff. So I don't know if it's fast, um, but just kind of what's the, what were the early stages of your career in art and how did you get started get your feet wet? And then how has that progressed to where you are now? Well, it's been a crazy long journey. And, you know, sometimes I look at the past and it's like looking at another life. It really is. Uh, My first major start into the professional art world was an animator on The Simpsons. Mm. So um, people look at my work now and then they're like, they can't put, I see people's brains kind of like, they're they're like, what the hell? Like, Mm. how did you make that transition? It was a long period of a transition, but started on the simpsons and uh, my ultimate dream before that was to work at disney Mm. i was a big disney animation fan and i thought okay that's what i'm going to do and what do i have to do to get there well i got to go to this certain animation college and so getting my portfolio ready for that thinking i was a shoe-in i get rejected so it was the first big blow to Mm -hmm. my my ego as a 17 year old kid 
because it was like, no, that was my mission. That was right. my, like I had, to do that. that was, I was supposed to do that. <laughs> and it just gets, uh, you know, the chair gets kicked out from under me and then it's like, wow, what do I do? So I ended up finding another way through another training program that trained me in kind of the basics of what you need to be a good animator, which is life drawing skills. So mm-hmm. life drawing the human figure faces mm-hmm. figures. So by the time uh, I kind of finished that training program, they were taking uh, submissions for the Simpsons hmm. uh, for internships. And when I first heard that, I was like, fuck the Simpsons because I'm a Disney guy. Right. <laughs> Second, I never liked the show. Yeah. And so I thought it was like beneath me. Again, right. the ego was just so mm-hmm. superior. It's yep. like, no, I'm a Disney person. I'm going to hold out. Right. And um, some of the people who ran the training program, they were like, well, what else you what else you got? Right. You got nothing. You need might as well, what's going to hurt to at least submit your portfolio. Mm-hmm. And so I submitted and I got in. Nice. I was like, Holy shit. Three people a year they took in out of, mm-hmm. I don't know how many hundreds of applications. And I was like, Oh my God, I was good enough to get onto this. So then I started taking the Simpsons seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, from then on, I got on the show. I fell in love with the people making it. I fell in love with the show, and um, I stayed on the show for eight and a half years doing that job hmm. because I was just we got so comfortable, and it was like a family. Was a yeah. I imagine that's my, probably a pretty fast production environment too, where it's like make. Oh make, my make. god! Yes, yes. A lot of drawings. A lot of. Um, a lot of carpal tunnel syndromes, mm. a lot of artists walking around with braces because mm. we really got injured on the job. Seriously, mm. it was a serious thing. We had to draw hundreds of drawings uh, sometimes a day. Jeez. Right. Thinking about it. I don't even draw that much anymore. <laughs> it just hurts thinking about that. So after um, eight and a half years or so, I was like, I'm sick of this show. Mm. <laughs> it's like being in a relationship that mm-hmm. long. And you're like, you're not happy in it, and but you don't know you don't know what's out there and you're right. afraid. It's just the fear of like, I'm, I don't want to be here. I'm sick of the show, but I know I want to do other kinds of art. And I knew I wanted to do like edgier art, mm-hmm. darker stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm done with cartoons. I'm done with these big eyes. And, mm-hmm. and so I had to really uh, kind of do a lot of, inner search and it's like well the only thing i know how to draw is the simpsons and so i felt like god I'm, how do i get away from the thing that i do so well mm. um it was a very it was a struggle an inner struggle the more i think back to it it was just really kind of it was really tough and i didn't know how to deal with it i see this job posting comes up from fox and they're like we're looking for a director of illustration to do simpsons toys and i'm like all right at least it's a step away from the show right it's still the simpsons and you know there's that part of me it's like dude people would like kill to be on this show Mm -hmm. it's an amazing show like who hasn't heard of it but uh, i was just trying to distance myself from it yet at Mm -hmm. the same time i didn't know how to do anything else so i took this job uh designing toys and illustrations and doing all of uh, billboards and 
uh, Simpsons uh, toilet seat covers, you know, all the crap that people, right. people buy this stuff. Things. <laughs> so while I was there, I kind of fell into this like digital painting thing. Like this was in 2003. And um, I saw uh, behind the scenes of the Lord of the Rings mm. DVD, the first film, Fellowship yeah. of the Ring. Mm -hmm. And it was all these guys sitting around a table and they were drawing monsters and just laughing and having fun. And, and you're like, like ooh. That's right. <laughs> I'm like, how do you do that? What right. is that called? Like, yeah. how do we even do it? So my first searches were artwork for movies. Right. Mm. And then the term concept art came up. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that's what it's called. Okay, mm -hmm. concept art. So um, you you do a search for concept art in 2003. The first thing that comes up is conceptart.org. It was a website hmm. founded by Android Jones. Funny. So I yeah, go yeah. to that. Yeah, I go to that site, and then I see this dude's work, and I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. It was an, another blow to, because I was, you know, in the Simpson world, I was big fish. You know? Right. Then I see this guy, Android's work, and yeah. all of his buddies, you know, they all are on this site and they're posting daily. And it's like, they're doing the thing that I want to do, but it was mm -hmm. incredibly intimidating. Incredibly intimidating. I'm like, okay, where do I even start? Like, how do we even. So, like, well, you got to learn digital painting, you got to mm -hmm. get on a tablet. You gotta learn Photoshop. So it was a tablet and Photoshop. So jumping into those two things was like learning to walk again for me mm. as, a, as a grown adult male. I was 28 at the time. And it was really difficult. It was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like learning to draw on the tablet was just like there was a disconnection between the tablet and the screen. I'm used mm -hmm. to drawing on paper and I'm like, I don't understand this digital world. And Android Jones is blowing my fucking mind. I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> how do I even like wrap my head around all this? So it was a lot of solitude and a lot of just, you know, I stopped going out, mm -hmm. I stopped hanging out with friends because I knew that, um, I, I just knew I had to do this thing, this digital painting thing. I knew I I had to do what Android was doing, not mm. copying him. Um, but essentially, that's what I did in the beginning. I just copied him, mm -hmm. and uh, my my work was just just horrible, ugly copies. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and a, anyone who would see it would be like, "Oh, you just ripping off Android, right. ripping off." And this happened for years. I'm like, no. I need I need to absorb what he right. has, and um, so it was really it was it was him and just a whole group of artists that were like these elite concept artists, and that it was his goal of mine just to get to their level. Mm. And so in two thousand three, I made that a conscious decision, and so sixteen seventeen years later. Mm. I feel I'm just maybe starting to scratch the surface a little bit. Um, so coming full circle, you know, Android and I are friends now. And I think it's great because he wrote the forward to my book and he's referred work to me. And it's like it, it became this full circle thing. And now I feel I'm in this position position to give back to other artists wanting to do the same. Right. So. Um, 
still exploring new uh, art forms and things. And yes, like you said, it's gotten very fast. The production is very fast. I can do what took me three months I can do in one day, mm. um, which is crazy because yeah. that's when the whole channeling of things comes through. And you right. just get so good at, at autopiloting the thing. Right. If, if you don't have to think it. about the tool anymore. You just you don't think about it. Yeah. And it just, hmm. the, the flow that happens. And um, yeah, it's a pretty incredible experience. So now I'm thinking, like I said, how do I relate this to others so that they could feel that they can do it? as well which they right. can yeah i love it it's interesting to me there's a lot of parallels that so one thing i've heard tim ferris talk about a lot is how people who are journalists for like a newspaper and then they go to write a book they have a very easy time of it because they're kind of like they're stuck in this fast production environment where they have to make a piece deadline get it out now and the simpsons kind of sounds like it was that for you where like you got the skill set of like hey just fucking make it now <laughs> needs to be done in 20 minutes and yes. coming out the other end of that it actually it's a little bit of an advantage because it kind of takes you out of your head some of okay i'm just gonna make because i need to produce and that's what you started to do with android where you're like okay first i just need to replicate because i know some pieces of his style are what i need to be using so how can i start to just produce get better at this skill set and then now you've developed it to where obviously your artwork is fucking amazing and I love that you're stepping now into the teaching aspect of that because it is, it's to me, the natural progression of any skill is first mastery and then teaching to achieve even a higher level of mastery for yourself, but also to then share that gift back out. And you and I are both familiar with the healing power of art and how you can really capture an emotion and fucking put it down onto the paper and then get it almost out of your head and onto something yes. almost as a symbol that is like, oh, there, that's what is going on. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. This is one thing I see when I see your art. I'm like, oh, okay, Alex is in that dark place. I'm familiar with that dark place. <laughs> yes. The dark. Mm. Let's talk about the dark a little bit. Yeah. Uh, when I started um, doing, um, yeah, dark, dark art and being a dark artist is a mm. real thing. It's a term. It's, it's kind of something that I, I fell into and um, I loved it, but I didn't know why I loved it. And then I was, there was also a bit of weird shame in it because people started coming around and be like, are you okay, bro? Mm -hmm. Like, you were doing all, you were making people happy with the Simpsons. And it's like, now you're doing skulls and zombies right. and demons. And, and I was like, I, you know, I just, I just like it, but I didn't know why I liked it. Part of me still, I, I I still don't know all the, the reasons why I like it, but now I understand, you know, and we understand the, the ideas of the shadow and integrating that and, and all those great ideas. But um, yeah, the, the dark art is just, there's something about it, right? Mm -hmm. That is just so like, it's seductive and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like Dracula, like, you know, he's evil and you right. know, he's, but damn, he's just sexy and mm -hmm. cool and you just want to hang out with him. Mm -hmm. But you know it's not the best thing for you. But right. to be able to understand it in terms of, well, that's also a part of me. And I want to integrate that into yeah. the lighter parts and you know, 
know, the more things you keep in shadow, like Ian said, it's going to reveal itself in other ways. Mm. We call it fate, you know. So um, now I look at it completely different, and now I feel like, you know, when I do create darker stuff, it will be even darker than the, the stuff I've done in the past. Right. Even more powerful and more seductive and mm. more. And then I do these, um, as you know, these very light-driven things, mm-hmm. these very kind of transcendental, uh, transformational pieces of work, you know, mm-hmm. butterflies and souls and spirits and fairies and, and uh, looking for, always looking for ways of combining the two. Right. You know? So even in the, in the light pieces I create, there is an element of this kind of darkness, this, this shadow, this creepy, seductive, uh, element that is just it's just so fun to play with yeah at the end of the day i'm just playing i'm playing with like demons and i'm playing mm-hmm. with angels and trying to look for ways for them to play together right i think there's a certain <laughs> for me at least there's a certain amount of like there's a certain amount of mastery in it where you if you can look at the darkest thing possible the most fucked up thing possible in a way then i and not be fearful of it and sort of invite it in, then you have a level of understanding and mastery over it versus where I think most problems come from, which is which is the ignoring of it. Like pretending that people don't have these dark parts or pretending that this stuff doesn't exist. That's where people get into trouble because then they dissociate it. And I really think yeah. that only in that disassociation is when people actually commit atrocities is... I'm not like that. What I'm doing is justified. It's like, no, you're like that, as all we are, all of us, but you have to look at that stuff and not ignore it. Exactly. And, and I think you just said it, like putting it out, um, getting it out of you and then putting it into a space where like you're in control. It's like if, I, if I'm drawing a demon, I've captured him almost like in you know Ghostbusters where I right. throw out the fucking thing and it captures the, <laughs> the ghost. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I have it. And he's in, he's in a box. Right. He can't do anything to me. You know? exactly. It's like I can do whatever I want to him. So it's definitely a, a dominating place to be to mm-hmm. kind of put your fears into a box literally and just fucking look at them and have yeah. them look it back at you and, and um, kind of having this dialogue going while you're creating, mm. you know, with yourself and with these other parts of yourself and with the demon and with the angel. And yeah. It's a, it's a pretty surreal experience even to this day. I mean, it's never stopped being a, an interesting experience creating a piece of art. Yeah. I find it interesting too. I think it was Jordan Peterson had this quote, but that when you, when you have a monster standing behind you and you, you refuse to look at it, you have no idea of how huge or how terrifying it is. So your mind makes up all the possibilities of how terrifying it might be. But when you actually turn and face it, or in your case, draw it, then it's defined. And then even if it's still terrifying, it's like, okay, that's exactly the amount of terrifying it is good there it is so there's a certain amount of that of when you're integrating the shadow it's like when you draw parameters around something it inherently becomes less scary because one of the primal Mm -hmm. human fears is of that undefined shapeless 
you know, jungle at night where you don't know what the fuck's out there. It's like, yes. when you know it's a jaguar and you know it's right there, it's a lot less scary than when it's fucking like, what was that noise? Where, where would that exactly. come from? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's, it's a great way to approach um, dealing with this shadow. And I think writing is a great way too. you know, like I've gotten this habit of the, the morning pages. You know, mm-hmm. uh, obviously listening to Tim Ferriss has been like my gateway into, he's my gateway drug into this yeah. whole world. You know, Same. And into Aubrey Marcus, like, and you know, just the, uh, the fact that you can just purge out in a journal, a few pages of, just random belligerent thoughts as a way to get a getting it out of your head mm-hmm. not solving the problem but just getting it out and then you could see it right. and then you can make uh, better rational decisions once you see it so it's the same yeah. with art you know you're just purging these things and you're seeing it and yeah it's it's a quite interesting experience um, just yeah. to, just to just to do it and and like i said to teach it and um so i guess we can talk about that maybe a little like the teaching like Mm -hmm. well how how do how does one teach art and i hear a lot from people like well i'm not an artist right i'm not an artist i can't draw i can't paint i was never and so that's their story right Mm -hmm. that's the story that's been going on and on for years and like when did that story start it might have started when they were kids and someone was a better artist and they were shamed because they weren't that good or a parent says, no, you're going to be a doctor. Mm. You're not going to be a broke-ass artist. We're not going to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So it's something happened early on in childhood because all kids like to create and right. draw and they're not doing it for anything other than just the fact that they are happy doing it, that they right. enjoy and then something happens and then that joy is kind of stripped right and so i think that is the that's where i want to get at on an individual mm-hmm. basis like well where did it stop for you i think even all- just your story has been helpful uh, i'll be sharing this podcast with my girlfriend who fucking she draws so well that i'm just like in awe at all times but it's funny because she she'll beat herself up over the fact that like she's take you know like she'll draw an elephant and she needs a picture in front of her of an elephant Mm. to draw an elephant but similar to your story like you were working off of android jones's work for a long period of time before you fucking built up the skill set to just like create out of a void so even just that piece of it as teaching is helpful because people think that they're supposed to just like sit down with a blank piece of paper and draw the perfect fucking thing off the bat. And it's like, yeah, that's not how it works. That's not how anything works, but that's not how this works. <laughs> but it's funny because people think that, well, that is how artists work. And that, mm-hmm. that, that is the process of the creation. It's like, no, you need to study the shit out of things. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've studied anatomy even to this day, like even just the intricacies of you know, how the bone, you know, starting with the skeleton and how, how to draw a skeleton and, mm. and the, the movement of each particular bone. And then you add the muscles on top of it. So it's basically, I've been, you know, I'm not going to become a doctor, but I know the names of all the muscles, you know, right. for artistic purposes. 
And so, yeah, you need to look at other things. You need to observe. So we can have these eyes, so we can observe things mm-hmm. to study and analyze. And and it's going to suck in the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, like all my earlier stuff, which I'll I'll totally share with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it sucks, but some people look at it like, dude, it's fucking uh-huh. brilliant. And it's only because, yeah, I've been drawing for years before that. Right. Um, uh, there's a term in the animation industry called pencil mileage. And it's really just how much you draw to see mm. muscle memory and just the mileage of, of drawing. And right. that lent itself into painting. And those are two very different worlds. Mm. Like drawing and painting are apples and oranges. Right. Some people come to me and they say, well, I want to learn how to paint. You know? I'm like, well, do you have experience drawing? And they're like, no. I'm like, do you have any interest? Like, no, I don't want to draw. I just want to paint. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I need to break it to you. But uh, learning, dr- the drawing is what holds the painting together. Ultimately, sure. you, do, you do away with the drawing mm. uh, to make it a painting. Because a, a painting, in theory, is the absence of line. Mm. It's just shapes. Flows right? together. Exactly. It's all a unified thing. And a drawing is line based. Mm. It's just, it's outlines of things. So it's like, well, to unify the two, to be a great painter, you have to be a great, uh, and I hate the word drawer mm-hmm. because it just sounds like, you know, drawer. Right. Um, we need to come up with a new word for drawer. Right. I've been looking for years. Um, drafts person right i don't want to say draftsman because you know we're all mm-hmm. drafts person <laughs> um so it's yeah basically controlling the line with a right. tool is drawing um but to to be a great painter i think you have to be great at drawing right so um i forget what our we're just weaving okay. in now yeah <laughs> perfect it's uh it is interesting that just that drawing, it's almost like you're adding the, it's the structural pieces that need to exist, but then the painting itself is the, the, how would I put this? Like the flow and the real life detail that gets missed in just a drawing where it's like, until mm-hmm. you add shade, until you add different color, like it's not as close to real life as it could be. And, you know, inherently like just on my face right now, I've got a light source over here. It causes all of this different effect coming across my face. That'd be very hard to capture only drawing. because it's not lines. Mm-hmm. It's a gradient across me. So yes. It's, it's interesting to think about it like that. It's not something I thought about before. Yeah. And you know, the, the concept of the gradient, like I always teach my students, like there's, there's gradients in everything. You look at the sky, there's a gradient, you know, you look at a wall, even if it looks like a white wall, there is a gradient there to some degree. And it's like, okay, you could do that through hatching. So line hatching, mm-hmm. literally, you know, darker lines and then easing up and doing lighter lines. But when you're doing it with uh, paint, you can get, yeah, much more of a sense of a, a smoother, gradient but i've seen some artists do line gradients so mm. blows my that mind <laughs> it's like damn that's a lot it's a lot of work it's a lot mm. of intricate work but i think it speaks to you know being able to sit there and just do that shit for like hours at a time it, it, it's speaking to a larger issue but i think you know we're all creative beings and um we're all trying to emulate this 
this urge to create like we all want to create mm -hmm. something right and you know it's a part of the larger kind of unifying story of like why we're here and right. what we're supposed to be doing but just this desire to enter this childlike mindset to just create and like get lost in it mm -hmm. like for me creating art has been massive dose of escapism and i don't yeah. know if that's always good you know because i'm like what am I'm, I'm escaping from what like right. reality well kind of yeah mm -hmm. like i'm i want to escape from like that shit that i have to do or this person i have to see and it's like yeah so i think that that can be done in healthy ways but for me it was very unhealthy for mm -hmm. years like so going back to 2003 and i was um you know, I was unhappy at the job, even though it was a great fucking job. I was making right. all so much money and I had all this time and like everything on paper looked great. Mm -hmm. But mentally, I wasn't it was dark. And I think that the artwork was reflecting that. Right. It was reflecting the dark even though at the time I didn't feel like anything was wrong. There was a lot of shit wrong. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of neglect and there was no self care, there was no self love. There was just, I was getting by on ego alone. Like, mm. So then I started identifying with the art. And then it wasn't really about me as a person. My, my self-value and worth came from the art. And it's mm. like, the more you love my art, the more I felt love. And right. if I didn't get as many likes on that piece, I felt less love. Right. And so that just went on for years just that process of creating just to create, which I think it takes all of us such a long time to get to. This is semi unrelated, but semi related. I remember one of my favorite times ever creating anything was I was just out, me and my friends went uh, camping. We took some, some mushrooms with us and I just had a knife and I had a bunch of sticks and I made a fucking bow, a bow and arrow out of just this knife and some sticks and some fucking tree bark that I turned into like corded tree bark. Yeah. And what stuck out to me about that experience was that I was just literally the whole way through it. I wasn't creating it thinking this is going to be so cool for me to show someone. It was mm -hmm. just hand knife, whittle, 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 whittle until it all came together. And I was like, Oh my God. And I was so in flow. And so in the moment that I was just blown away, but it really made me reflect that, Oh, that's like one of the first things I've created in a long time that was just for me, just to satisfy that internal process and not to be like, look what I did. Am I good? <laughs> wow. I love that. I love that. I think that's why I, um, maybe even before joining Fit for Service, I was just like, I, I need to get off of this social media thing. I'm, mm -hmm because of identifying with the art and mm -hmm. the admiration from the art it was like that is it's unhealthy mm -hmm. and i want to stop and so i just stopped posting for a while and then and then i was just creating work for myself as you would mentioned right and it was so fucking liberating i'm mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna of course i was thinking i will show this stuff right. down the line and so that was kind of keeping me happy on a certain level but the main part of it was like i'm doing this for me and mm -hmm. i'm having so much fun it's like i'm a kid again and so i just did that and i just created just a shitload of work um 
which I still haven't posted. Yeah. And, um, but eventually, yes, it will come out in its own time. But, you know, creating for yourself versus creating for others mm-hmm. is, is a fascinating topic because I think people need to know when they're doing either or. Right. Well, it's kind of Instagram kind of pushes the algorithm in a certain way that like I'd imagine as an artist, it'd be really easy if you were going purely off of what gets the most likes, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're drawing ass and titties all day. (laughs) And that's your whole process is, you know what? This performs the best. And you're like, okay, hmm. And it would shape your art that way. If you're not aware enough to go, I'm creating for me first. The sharing is my gift but it's not the driving force of why I'm creating. Cause it's, yeah. I find it with my own content on Instagram that I have to be very careful about not just like when I, if I put text over a cool picture that performs ridiculously better than some of the videos I post, mm. but the videos are what I'm making to impact people. They're important to me. So that's why I'm posting those. I'm not just trying to be like, okay, I have 200,000 followers, but like everything I post is essentially meaningless, just fucking inspiration porn. (laughs) I love that term. Yeah, isn't it funny that the the things that, you know, that get the most attention are the things that we uh, don't necessarily, you know, think of it as getting that much attention. And it's the shit that we find so important to us that just gets no attention Mm -hmm. and it's you know it's being okay with those two polarities and but also looking for so going back to when i was creating this this darker stuff and finding Mm -hmm. an audience and it's like wow these these metal bands from france and germany are getting in touch with me because they're like yeah we love your work and make us a piece okay yeah make us an album cover and and it was just it was just dark shit but it was like wow okay there's an audience there yeah i'm gonna make art to make them fucking happy and make them like me more Mm. you know and then i start so i started looking for other ways of like okay who else can i Mm. (laughs) who else can i get in there and but i was also doing it because i liked doing it you know i liked um the dark i love the skulls i knew there was an audience for that but i always found ways of like, okay, how can I push this further? Who can I reach Mm. out to, you know? And then, so the tattoo world just kind of really responded well to my art. And I was Mm. like, I had no idea, like this world was kind of there. And like, how can I cater to them more? How can I get in? And there was just this air of inauthenticity, like for the longest time, it was just like, okay, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be whatever they fucking want me to be. You know, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was the prostitute, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was, yeah, I was just whoring myself out, but I was kind of loving it because they were loving it back. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we love you. And it's like, okay, I'll make you more dark shit. And then so, you know, it just kind of s- kept going in those worlds. And um, eventually it got to the point where it's like, this is not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Like, really at all the right. whole time it was like this kind of uh i don't know i was just trying to latch on to something mm. uh for the, all the wrong reasons you know and um so now it, it finally just this year especially coming through ffs it's been like finally finding this 
you know, like who I am really mm. and what do I want to do really at right. the core. But that meant going through all of that bullshit, mm-hmm. all of the old stories and all of the old ideas and um, unraveling it all, calling yourself out, calling your bullshit out. Right. Like on a daily fuck minute by minute basis. <laughs> and it got, it's got exhausting, but that's the only way you got to work through it. You got to right. work through it all. Well, it's so interesting to me is that people, their patterns manifest so strongly from their traumas, from their unique experiences they've had growing up. So it's almost for you, it was almost as if you were then doing Simpsons again, but you were doing it with demons instead. (laughs) And you were just like, okay, let me produce this thing that I know gives me love. But that's how strong patterns run in our subconscious until we identify them and do some of the work that you've done this year to to wake up to the fact that that program is running in our background. Because you'll think, and I'm sure for the first while, just the juxtaposition of like, now I'm making dark stuff. This is so much better. Made you feel good. But then after a while, that same pattern is there of like, oh shit, now I'm just making dark stuff to please instead of cartoon stuff to please. Oh, fuck. Ego, you tricky bastard. What are you doing (laughs) under there? Exactly. Exactly. Um, So it's it's been so fun in the past couple of years, just unifying the two sides, you know, and um, I used to be kind of, when I was doing the darker stuff, I wouldn't mention the Simpsons to people Mm. um, because it was like, I don't want it in their heads. Like they're hiring me to do a metal album cover and like Simpsons. And then later on, they would find out. They're like, "Dude, why don't you tell me? I fucking right. love that show." Like, <laughs> like what? So yeah, I kind of it was on my resume also when I was applying for jobs, but mm. um, it was always something I kind of downplayed and mm. kind of felt like a little ashamed of, like all oh, the Simpsons. It's like it's not serious. It's it's one of you know it's uh it's a very clever fucking show, and it's a part of our history whether we right. like it or not and it's just i'm now these days i love talking about simpsons i mm. love drawing the simpsons like if you ever want me to draw you a simpson mm. character i will do that like <laughs> no problem i just love uh just telling that story right you know and then and then the transition into kind of where it all went yeah i think it adds a lot of depth to your personal story because mm. I think what we find interesting or what I find interesting about people is when they've had these expansive sort of divergent experiences as a human of like, okay, you were drawing the Simpsons, which is like the most cartoony, silly thing you could really be drawing. And then you're drawing this super dark shit. It's like, okay, that's actually more interesting than someone who just on one or just on the other, because it shows growth and it shows just versatility and skill as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it really speaks to the the, the exploration. Um, so, which is why it's like, yeah, I am I am an artist, but going back to, I like to call myself an explorer because I'm really just exploring, and it, and it really allows me to um, try different styles. A lot of artists uh, feel that well, they they find their style and then they have to stick to it, and then stick to it the rest of their lives. Mm. Talk about a trap, right? I mean. I was like, 
I'm not going to do that. I just want to go explore. I see Android's work. I want to learn how to do that. And then I see Picasso's work. And I'm like, okay, I want to try some of that. I see mm -hmm. Da Vinci, you know, and all these artists. I'm like, I want to try that. So it's really like exploring. Yeah. She really is exploring and taking the word artist out to some degree and being like, I'm going to go play with that style. And um, yeah, and that has been just so fun. That realization of explorer versus artist has been, wow, so I'm an right. explorer. So I, who knows? I might go back to cartoons and I'll right. be totally fine with it. Or yeah. Well, I like using a more expansive term too, because I think we see this in music is probably where it's the most stark of a contrast. But like if a band starts out as a country band and then they've defined themselves in this niche and then they decide they want to play rock instead, their fans get pissed. Like you yes. see this all the time. <laughs> People are like, you fucking sold out. You're making shitty music now. It's like this, when you use a more expansive term in the first place, Oh, okay, now my boundaries aren't, I'm not boxed in. I'm not Alex Rees, the digital dark artist. It's, oh, I'm exploring. I'm just exploring whatever comes up for me. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, some people, like you said, the fans don't, uh, they don't accept that well because they feel a sense of betrayal, mm. right? And uh, that was one of the reasons I kind of, you know, I started that new Instagram account was because mm -hmm. I was going through these transformations myself. And it's like the, the audience on the first account was, was built around this world of, you know, dark art. And, you know, I love it all. It was mm -hmm. The people I, I was following, Instagram became a place that I didn't want to go to anymore. It became <laughs> this physical place that I couldn't right. escape from. But, uh, I didn't want to go there anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, meeting all of you guys was like, wow, these, I want to spend more time with these mm. people. And it's like, well, yeah, I have this account and all this audience. It's like, I'm just going to, I just needed to stop, right? And pull right. back. And then I was like, I'm going to create this new account. And then I'm going to post all this, this newer work, which again, it was like me, my, my fear of like, well, the dark audience, mm. not going to accept this uh, light transformational right. art and it's like oh geez yeah. so then going into that struggle of beating myself up for like oh well they're not going to accept this and they're going to criticize it blah mm -hmm. blah and then it was like jesus christ like i can't fucking get away from right. you can't get exactly. away from your own so now you know posting this on this new account and i know that like um this this newer audience which is all you guys from ffs mm -hmm. and all the new friends i've been making who you know, we all love Ram Dass. And we mm -hmm. love the the concept of God, and we love spirituality. And we right. love this world. And it's like, but then, you know, maybe the uh, this other world, you know, needs to be exposed to that. But yeah, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out. Okay, how can I bridge hmm. these two worlds? Maybe that's part of my mission is to make it okay for a dark uh, death metal dude to fucking love Ram Dass. Yeah. Like it's totally reconcilable, you know, but the old stories come up like, it's like, no, I'm dark yeah, and I love fucking Satan. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. But, um, you know, when you, when you learn to accept certain ideas of the devil and God, you know, it, it, like they're one, they're kind of one, right? Right. You know, you That's mean? a duality. 
yeah, they're part of the same structure of of whatever this is that we call mm -hmm. reality, you know. So bringing them together and having them play with one another is is great. Um, there's, have you seen the show Messiah on Netflix? Mm -mm. Not. Pretty good. Okay. So it's it's funny because like the the my two favorite shows on Netflix are Messiah. It's about mm -hmm. the second coming of Jesus to some degree, mm -hmm. and Dracula. Okay. And those two are the polarities. It really speaks to kind of the stuff I'm into. It's the whole thing, God yeah. and the devil, you know, and being equally interested in both mm -hmm. is just, it's, it's amazing because when you bring them together and integrate them into your own being, right. Um, you're just going to be a more of a whole person yeah. you know, rather than shunning one or only accepting the other. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go check out Watch uh, The Witcher, if you haven't already, on Netflix. I heard different reviews about that. It's, I think you'll I like... I love the game. Yeah, so if you like the game, you'll love the show. They did an amazing job, and the art direction on that show is, like, ridiculously good. Nice, um, nice. Definitely on the list. Yeah, check that out. Um, but it is interesting that I think... I think in the fully integrated human, you have to be able to hold both sides of the light and the dark in consciousness because i think that i think that you the darkness gives you a certain amount of steel in your spine where it's like okay like hey if you tell me to do something i don't want to do and i say no if i'm all just like oh I, i'm just as kind as i can be to everyone at all times there's no there's no teeth to my no <laughs> there's no uh yeah. there's no there's no backbone to it. So when we have yeah. these integrated experiences of like, okay, I've got the dark in me and it doesn't mean I'm just like being a dick to people, but it's in there and I know it's in there and I've looked at it and I've got the light. Great. I've got both these pieces. So someone comes and tries to cross one of my boundaries. I can provide a real boundary. Go, mm -mm, we're not doing that. And someone can feel that like, Oh, he means it versus eh, this guy's a pushover. We'll just kind of topple his ass over mm. and continue on our merry way. It's a, interesting dichotomy and i think it speaks to just the duality of all things we experience that they're not yeah. only good only bad it's a combination of both and how could we integrate and see both of those and hold both of those in gratitude and in love absolutely and that brings to mind the the concept that i've been hearing from ram das and alan watts the concept of the rascal like Ram Dass, you know, he'll say in his lectures, he's like, I'm a total rascal. He's mm -hmm. like, I'm a prankster. I love to mm -hmm. joke. He's like, I'm a rascal. And then and Alan Watts talks about the concept of irreducible rascality. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, these guys, like they knew how to play. Like they mm -hmm. knew how to have fun without hurting people. I think that's right. the trick. It's like exactly. we can be mis mischievous um, and dark to some degree without mm -hmm. hurting people um i think that's an interesting concept because when you talk to um coming from so let's go back in my early 20s i kind of became a christian like mm -hmm. kind of full on yeah like i was raised raised catholic and then um at coming out of a fucking drug frenzy i was in the goth scene mm -hmm. like fucking Marilyn Manson mm -hmm. 
fucking all the way. And we're it was Same. Simpson crew. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I wanna see I wanna see some old pictures. Yeah, they're they're out there. <laughs> yes. But it was like again, it was like, okay, I went to this extreme and then it was like, okay, I'm I've had enough. Like I wanna come out. And mm. actually bringing that up now it just brings to mind, okay, I was in the Simpsons, which was the light, colorful world, and I wanted to go into the shadows. And so coming out of this goth scene, it was like, you know what, I need to clean up. Because I was really, I was going overboard with drugs and just abusing, and it was really bad. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so going back on, on The Simpsons, there was, there was, a, there was crews, or there's clicks, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a crew, there was the Christian crew, right? And we were all friends. The whole group was friends, but it's like some of the shadier, new agier people, or whatever darker people mm. you know you, you just didn't talk about certain things but sometimes right. things would come up you know i mean we're all if, if you imagine a giant a giant room with cubicles with like you know 50 to 100 different artists and mm. everyone has a different idea of reality and a different faith so i i just started to become more and more interested in this this idea of this christian god that mm. was a God of love and light and peace. I'm like, oh, that's that's what I need now. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in this dark fucking world with no God and no accountability, and then coming into this this urge to be like, I need some light. Like, I need some light in my life. So right. I kind of went fucking full on other direction. <laughs> I went, and for about four or five years, I was pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, being a Christian, I mean, I, it, no party, no drugs, no sex, no, no nothing. It was the other extreme. And then after a while, I'm like, ah, I'm sick of this. <laughs> this isn't working either. <laughs> Shit. That, yes. <laughs> it was, but now, you know, we're talking about it. I just noticed this pattern of like one extreme mm-hmm. to the other. It's like, fuck, like that's not a good way to go about anything. Right. You want to be able to like transition moderately from one thing and kind of be moderate along the whole way, not like bouncing one extreme to another. So after a while, I was like, okay, I'm, uh, I don't like clicks. This Christian thing feels like a big click to me. Mm -hmm. I believe in some of the teachings, but I stopped going to church. I stopped hanging out with the Christians. And then, and then I just started just kind of really was being by myself for a while. And so that's when I kind of went in and started learning these new digital techniques. And I'm like, okay, now fucking nobody, right? Mm-hmm. It was just another extreme. Yeah. But for me, it was like, well, I don't fucking, I don't want to be with the Christians. I don't want to be with the dark crowd. I'm just going to be by myself. And so I created a, a ridiculous amount of work over, over this period but i was completely isolated mm. completely alone and no wonder the work was coming out <laughs> fucking dark because i wasn't doing any inner right. work it was all coming out in the work but yeah um you know a lot of blame a lot of uh, blame for childhood stuff you know it's just like we always want to just blame someone else for our mm-hmm. problems because it's not us right right <laughs> Not a, it, never it hurts us. if it's us it hurts <laughs> oh my god it hurt yeah I, I wouldn't even consider the fact that it was me <laughs> so um uh, so i guess in in certain ways it, the therapy came about in the production of this mm. 
earlier work. And uh, so now I feel like I'm integrating it all. And I think Ram Das is such a great figure because he literally said in one of his lectures, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm a fucking slob. He's like mm -hmm. regarding spiritual. He's like, I embrace everything. He's like, mm -hmm. I'm a Buddhist, Christian, Muslim. Right. He's like, I'm, I'm all of it. Yep. And, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. That's what I've been wanting to hear. Spiritual mutt. <laughs> spiritual mutt. Dude, mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, so yeah, I feel that that is a great approach to life right well it's i think just, it's yeah it's the approach if you want to gain the maximum growth and the maximum self-discovery because look these old traditions i grew up christian and these old traditions it's not like they have no value because if they had yeah. no value they wouldn't continue to exist right but it's which pieces are valuable for you extract those and then, oh, what's over here? Okay, let me extract some of those pieces. And just finding this amalgamation of all these different things that work for you specifically and then integrating that into your life is, at least that's been what's been effective for me. Because it's, yeah. even I see this now within, the, within uh, some of the plant medicine community where it's mm -hmm. like, it's one of two ways. Either it's like hard science only. So it's like, okay, only the clinical trials, like none of this like voodoo crap they're doing down in the Amazon. And it's like, okay, that's probably not quite right. Like they probably have learned something over the 2000 years they've been doing ayahuasca in the Amazon. Yeah, but bit. on the same token, it's also people who are like only the Amazoning traditions. And yes. it's like, well, okay, so we're we saying there's nothing new we can learn because they, in some of the cultures at least, women can't be shamans and like there's not really good reason for that they just kind of say like they can't be them it's like hmm okay interesting maybe we just leave that part out and we take the parts that are good and we integrate those into the culture now because it's yes take what take what's good and it's there and people have developed and just leave behind the shit that doesn't work for you and don't get hung up on it exactly yeah i think in now in this kind of global community there's more uh there's more, um, I guess, permission to do these things, what we're talking about. Because it's like, yeah, we, we should be able to question. It's like, well, why can't women be shamans? Well, it's like, well, because they just can't. It's like, really? Well, <laughs> yeah, so it's that old story. That's It's the patriarchal, um, I guess, archetype of like, well, the man is stronger physically, <laughs> so he must be in charge of everything. It's like, right that is such a narrow-minded kind of view to it all yeah it's like we're here because of the women <laughs> Fuck. i mean it was it was the two together like equally it's like, right man when did it just man when did it go off course long time ago i guess certain <laughs> regions just got got knocked off in the wrong direction and things just kept <laughs> falling the wrong way it is interesting because yeah. I think this this integration piece of bringing in and even just within each person as the individual the balance of masculine and feminine energy. I know I know that I'm at my most powerful when I have those two balanced within myself. When I'm in touch with my emotions and at the same time I'm firm, I'm assertive, I'm going and achieving my goals. That's when I'm at my most powerful, and that's you know similar to the plant medicine. It's like 
well, what could be better than like a man woman duo where the woman brings this like super amazing nurturing energy and she can like help you and you feel comfortable. And the man's bringing this like powerful presence of like protector energy. Like that'd be fucking amazing. Let's yes. get that going. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love that, you know, in fit for service, we were able to do that among men, mm-hmm. like to, to hold a hug a little bit longer than mm-hmm. with our male friends on the outside world, mm-hmm. you know, to eye gaze with another man. That's not easy for, modern man to do right you know it's just the old stories of like no you got to be tough and no crying and you mm-hmm. don't hug longer than three seconds with a homie and you don't stare at a homie for longer than three seconds yep. <laughs> unless he's got something in his eye and you're trying right. to take something up <laughs> so being able to embrace this feminine energy among uh the males mm-hmm. in this group has been profound and I, you know I, I try trying to extend that to the males that I know that aren't as accepting. It's, it's a little, you got to do a little dance. You'd be like, okay, I can hug you for, I can hug you for a minute straight. Mm-hmm. And, and we're good with where we're at in our own masculinity. Doesn't fucking matter. But like homie down the street, like I can't hug him for more than three seconds. And right. I want to, right. I right. want to fucking like, hold him and tell him it's all right you know and he'll be like get off me bro that's gay come on exactly all right all right all right (laughs) (laughs) but i get that i get i remember what that was like yeah absolutely and i think it just it speaks to an analogy i like to give is that when because just men i've worked with i see this a lot is like not being in touch with their emotions and not being in touch with the ability to access that place and express it And I think the analogy that I find useful is like, if you are living only in your masculine emotions, you are running a race with a hundred pound vest on your back because you're carrying around anger that's unexpressed. You're carrying around sadness that's unexpressed. You're carrying around all these emotions that you have no way to get out of your body. When you tap into that feminine expression of emotion and you can allow that stuff to come through, all of a sudden you take that weighted vest off and you're running way faster. So like, yes it's the way to language it for people to understand like this is actually also an optimization you make for yourself to become better because it things just become things have become so much easier for me when I can actually express how I'm feeling because it takes away the power of the emotion to bounce around in my head for five weeks in a row when I'm sad over something that really wasn't that big of a deal it's like Mm. how many of us as men do that all the time we have no space to express it yeah Absolutely. And it's like, well, you know, it's where do, do men go? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, I feel, I really feel for a lot of these men that it's like, well, they, they don't know where to even go and they're not going to ask, they're not going to ask, you know, or even inquire. And, and uh, so that then they end up stuck and you could see it and see it in their eyes and where they carry themselves. And I think a trick would be like you're saying, like, using analogies of, mm. of you know running with 100 extra pounds on you you know uh as a way for them to be like oh yeah i know what that is i know mm. what i know what extra weight is i you know if you put it in in the terms that they can understand rather than being like oh you need to bring out your feminine energy right They're like uh fuck like, you <laughs> <laughs> and then you and then you lose them it's like, right oh, exactly no so like meeting 
meeting everyone where they're at absolutely is, is, the, is the trick on anything right yeah fuck yeah well, beautiful brother we're getting towards the end here um so a couple of last questions i always like yeah. to ask um number one where can people find you where's the best place to connect with you and your work uh so you know getting back on instagram with this new account i mean the old account i don't really post there but the new account alex ruiz dot artist um is where you know i'm kind of exploring more uh there's alex ruiz dot art that is the website dot art is the domain name and uh it's really just those two places um eventually i'm going to be bringing out infinite artist the company i'm creating to wow. host these retreats and to help people help bring out the inner child and the inner creative spirit in everyone so that's going to be something in the future so um yeah those are the places fuck yeah and, uh, this may this question may have just sort of answered itself because i imagine the answer is infinite artist but what's the thing right now that you're like the most excited about or the most jazzed up about that you have coming up on the on the timeline yeah well definitely you know infinite artist specifically a retreat mm -hmm. um the recent one i posted that i tag you in um which i'd love for you to be there oh yeah um a retreat um to do all of these things that we're talking about, it's not just art, you know, it's art and, and meditation and healing and um, really just kind of finding yourself through these, through these things. So I'm thinking of maybe a mid-year kind of thing. I'm still kind of in the planning phase, but I am having an art show March 4th, mm. um, which is also my birthday. Cool. And, Happy uh, early birthday. Thanks. And so that, that was something I've, I've always wanted to do as an artist. I've never had my own art show. I've always been in other group shows, but um, last June, I just kind of decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to have my own art show. Hmm. Like, I'm going to do this. I don't know where, I don't know. I had like five pieces of new art and this is all art that um, is traditional. It's all drawn on paper. It's, yeah. it's paint, it's ink. It's none of the digital stuff. Hmm. And so, I've rented out a venue. It's right down the street. It's actually rented out for two days. It's just going to be like a private art show, birthday. Uh, if you're here for that, it'll be awesome. Not no worries. It'll be a workshop the next day and then a public art show the next mm, day. Awesome. This is kind of like this uh, thing that I've always wanted to do, not just to get it out of the way, but just be like, okay, if I'm promoting this idea of infinite artists, you know, uh, an artist being able to explore all these different avenues. I needed to do this one last thing mm. just to have this art show. Yeah. And then I feel that this art show is like going to be the springboard into the retreats and yeah. everything infinite artists. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love it. And we'll, we'll chat offline here after the podcast about some retreat opportunities I've got coming yeah. up as well that I'd love for you to be a part of. Um, yeah. So then thank you for being on. And just, I want to take a second to just honor you and say, thank you for being you. Thank you for being the creative, dark, light, all the things soul um, that you are. And just for bringing your specific and unique light into this world. It's definitely something that I love to see. I know whenever your posts cross my timeline and whenever I get to run into you at these different summits and retreats that we do, it's just a pleasure always. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Love you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Anytime, I'm here for you. Love you.
All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Alex is really a great artist, but also just a really interesting person, someone who uh, I've had an interest in for quite a while, just the way that he thinks about things and the way that he approaches the art that he does do is just a very interesting process to me. So I hope you found it as interesting as I did. Uh, if you did like this podcast, please, the best thing you can do is to share it out with a friend. We are only spread through word of mouth, so share it out. If someone you know is an artist that maybe would benefit from hearing Alex's story, that's a great person to share it to. And of course, if you haven't already reviewed us, please leave a review on the podcast. That really does help spread the word as well. But that's it for today, and I will see you next week.